Welcome all to episode three of the 15 Minutes Podcast. Got Steph and Steve from Sync Creative here with you today. The third member of our team, Nikita, is off enjoying himself in Australia right now. Yeah, sucks to be him, doesn't it? Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm stuck here in, in snowy Tennessee, and you said there's a little snow going on up in D.C. right now, too. Right, yeah, we got a nice evening snow shower, calling for about an inch to three inches, depending on what direction it's going, but yeah, we're going to wake up to a white morning. Loving winter while Nikita is enjoying summer in Australia. <laughs> right, right. So, Steph, uh, how's your 2017 going so far? Well, it's starting off uh, positively. You know, I just decided, you know, this is a good year for me to kind of do a reboot of uh, positive thinking, and, and part of that reboot is I'm reading The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. And uh, this book's been around for a while. I've actually read it uh, three, four years ago. And uh, it's, it's right here on my credenza on my desk where I can see it all the time. But I decided, you know, this would be a good year to pick it up. Uh, you know, two, 2016 was a, a volatile year. And I figured, you know, it's time to move in a positive direction and not let a lot of this outside noise affect, you know, my worldview and, and the way I see, see things. And in my professional life as well. So what are you reading, Steve? Absolutely. That sounds great. I am reading um, a book called Rock Bottom to Rock Star. It's written by uh, Ryan Blair, and not necessarily that I'm at rock bottom right now, (laughs) but as you said, 2016 was a bit of a tumultuous year uh, for a lot of people, both in business and in their personal lives. Uh, But I just wanted to see what Ryan said about, uh, about some uh, new and inventive ways to uh, to build your business and, and kind of build your personal life as well. So it's just kind of a, uh, an inspirational book to read. So I'm on that same bus as you, kind of doing some of the positive thinking and trying to start 2017 off the right way. Wow, that sounds like it might be book two for me. That's right. We're going to do a little book swap. Okay, that, that'll work. I'm all for that. All right, we have a great interview today, uh, and we are not going to waste any time. We're going to get right to it. Seven and a half minute interview. All right. We have with us today a good friend of mine for many, many years. That's going to show how old I am, of course. Um, He is uh, the creative director of Mercury Intermedia, which is a an app design uh, company as well as a few other things. And it's right outside of Nashville. So I want you all to welcome Mr. Rusty Mitchell. Hey, welcome, Rusty. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Rusty. So kind of start off by telling everybody uh, about yourself and uh, and what you do. Yeah, okay. So um, so I've, I've been with Mercury for about 11 years now. Um, I started out, actually, after college as a print designer. Um, worked in the, the music industry in the Nashville area. Um, for about three of those years, I worked at a Christian subsidiary of Sony Music as an in-house designer doing music packaging and marketing materials for those guys. Um, and then I spent a year teaching out at Austin P, where uh, Steve and I uh, went to school and um, ended up getting a job at Mercury. When I started at Mercury, it was actually called Mercury Sports. 
and um, we were focused on creating these um, odd, a bit hard to explain, interactive uh, screensaver applications. Um, and we had um, we had clients um, like Sports Illustrated, Golf Magazine. We had twelve NFL teams that we worked with. And it was a lot of fun. Um, we were actually creating a pretty interesting product that um, had a good fan base, but we couldn't figure out how to make it work financially. And so after about three years of that, um, we got to looking around, and the iPhone had just come out, and we were, of course, all enamored with it like most people were, and we're looking at a way to break into that. And um, we had a meeting with uh, USA Today, um, out in uh, McLean, Virginia, um, and we were trying to pitch them on the screensaver thing, which uh, they were not at all interested in. Um, they were very kind uh, about it, but told us that they weren't interested. Um, but at, during that meeting, they mentioned that they were about to um, do an RFP for um, an iPhone application and asked us if we had any experience at that and if we were interested, and we were like, uh, yeah, yeah, we got as much experience at iPhone applications as anyone has right now, which That's was right. none. Right. So um, <laughs> we uh, we scrambled back to Nashville and spent about a week, week and a half, putting together a proposal, and we put together this kind of smoke and mirrors uh, proof of concept for them, um, which we, we don't do a lot of that kind of uh, spec work as, as RFPs, but we did back then because we were desperate, um, and it worked out for us. And... Um, we, for a time there in the early days of uh, mobile applications, kind of became the de facto uh, folks to call on for um, news applications. So in those early days, we ended up um, doing uh, mobile applications for um, USA Today and CNN and Fox News and um, New York Times, basically all of the, the big news brands we, yeah. we did with wow, those. that's brands. awesome. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And since then, we've kind of branched off. We we do a lot of entertainment stuff these days. Um, we've done work with Showtime and Comcast and Red Bull, um, their entertainment group that does, like, extreme sports stuff. Um, yeah, and our, our big clients right now are Comcast and uh, Panasonic's Avionics division. We do some work with those guys on... Um, applications that interface with their seatback experience. Oh, wow, that's cool. Huh. St still do a lot of work with Red Bull, do a lot of work with um, TED Talks uh, on the Android side. Um, yeah, so to give you a good idea of the types of things we're working on. Wow, that's a pretty diverse portfolio. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, to have so many clients and, and, and that scope of work is, is great. I mean, what are some of some of the challenges you would say that, that you have faced working, well, really starting from scratch, but, but even now working in app development and app design? Um, you know, I would say probably the biggest challenge we've had over the years is to try to get our clients to relax and try to dial it back a little bit, actually, because um, they're, they're kind of used to the web mentality of anything goes. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like on uh, mobile with applications, you're, you're kind of in a different area. Um, you're, 
you're living within an ecosystem that has a, a clear set of rules. And that's not to say that you can't break those rules from time to time. But um, if you're really concerned with your user understanding how your app works and um, coming back uh, on a regular basis, which we work with a lot of clients who have um, ad-based um, free applications, you know, you want those guys using the application as much as possible. And to do that, you've got to deliver a product that is clear, that's uh, welcoming. And a lot of times that means relax a little bit, you know, let's get creative where, uh, where it makes sense, but let's follow the conventions of the platform that you're on. Um, even at times when it's not sexy. So, you know, you, we had, we had a lot of, um, discussions back in the day where people got tired of using the, um, the iOS tab bar approach, which the tab bar is that bar across the bottom that typically has, uh, five sections that you can bounce between and, We'd have a lot of clients that would say, well, you know, that's boring. Um, it takes up too much space. Um, how about we use the, are you guys familiar with the term hamburger menu? Oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So the, the mobile uh, application uh, field fell in love with the, the hamburger menu for several years there. And um, we had tons of uh, polite uh, discussions with our clients about how we right. felt like that was a good idea to bury all of their their content. Um, we still have applications that are out there right now using the hamburger menu, but slowly but surely we're kind of working uh, clients back towards exposing their menu and their navigation so that it's clearer and easier for their users to use it. Sure, it's yeah, and and from my experience the. Some of the simplest apps are the ones that I enjoy the most, so I'm sure that's the way with most consumers. So yeah, absolutely. I'm going to ask yeah. you this question. Since uh, you and I uh, both went to college together, and, and when we were going through the design program, uh, a lot of the things we did back then were cut and paste. Uh, we did... We did uh, uh, you know, photography of, of our work a lot of times. Uh, and even in our first jobs, you'd do some blue line checks for printers and stuff like that. There was really not until we we got out of school did we really start working in the digital world. Uh, and it was just kind of in its infancy back then. With you being uh, in a job that is almost 100% digital, do you ever find yourself wanting to go back and do some... Uh, some just pencil to paper or just some traditional art kind of things just to kind of get your mind off all that digital stuff you do all day long? I do. Um, I really stink at following through at it, though, if I'm being completely <laughs> honest. I, mean, really? I talk about it all the time uh, with my wife about, you know, because, I, I, uh, Steve, you know, I, I used to do a lot of this collage work. And, sure. Um, I I don't really do any of that anymore. Um, oh, that's I, a shame. That's really I, a shame. I still have a lot of that stuff here um, and, and, you know, have it all organized. And I'm finally at the point where I have space for it. I have the time for it for a, a long time there, especially once we really broke through uh, to the mobile space. Our team was so small and um, we stayed so busy that, I worked insane hours just trying to keep up. I mean, sure. 12 plus 
our days for many years there. Um, but now, you know, we're at a good spot. Um, we can actually relax and I can come home at a normal time and live a decent life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. that's good. Yeah. Well, that I'm seems a, to be our goals as well. That's right. I'm going to tell you, this is fascinating stuff and we could probably do several episodes just on app design and development. And, uh, but as you know, this is the seven and a half minute interview, which we're probably already over. So now it's time for some rapid fire. Rapid fire. Uh, first question, Seinfeld or Friends? Uh, Seinfeld. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Hey, that sounds good. All right. Second question, Apple or Android and why? Apple, although I will be honest with you, I I was a longtime Apple fanboy back before um, I even had real reason to argue for Apple. Um, I think I just kind of fell in app, uh, in love with Apple back in junior high, uh, back when, <laughs> and Steve probably remembers, I think he was in the same computer class that I was in with uh, the Apple 2E. Oh, the 2E was the greatest thing ever. Yeah, and we had oh to... my gosh, guys. I was with the very first Apple that had the porthole window, and I was 26 years old. <laughs> we're not going to get into that. <laughs> I know. We're not going to go back into the design of Surface, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I remember we had a we had one GS that was actually in color, um, and that was the most mind-blowing thing to like be able to spend a few minutes playing around with that thing. Right. Um, but I, I didn't actually own my own computer until like my third or fourth year of college, um, which I, I bought this power computing, uh, Apple clone. Anyway, I'm rambling, but, uh, iPhone, uh, for now, although I, I own some Android devices as well. And I'd say that Android is getting much better. And I'm at the point right now where if it wasn't for a couple of parts of the iOS ecosystem that I'm locked in on. I would definitely consider looking at Android more closely. Okay. And final question. Have you ever played Pokemon Go? I have. I actually ran. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I went around. I've got two daughters and a, and a son at home, and they're all into that kind of stuff. So Okay. So you're doing the good dad thing then. Yeah, and um, downtown Franklin here is like a huge spot for that. So for the first like couple of weeks, you drive by at nine o'clock at night, and there would be a hundred plus people out in the streets, which is really uh, uncommon for for downtown uh, Franklin here. Well, and as an app guy, uh, you could consider that research. Yes, absolutely. there you go. Hey, yeah, <laughs> fun research. Did you ever catch any? Yes, um, I uh, I'll admit now that I um, I kind of did a little bit of the cheating stuff as well. <laughs> oh no! Because <laughs> okay. you know I got Xcode and I can I had already kind of toyed around with some of the GPS um, adjustment stuff that you can do in Xcode for some. It, it was actually for some UI design stuff that I was doing because we uh, at Mercury for years now have put out these. Um, like uh, UI kits that other designers can download. We give those things away for free. Uh, it's just tools for other designers to be able to design for iOS more easily. And as part of that process to get proper screenshots, I had used this and I was like, I bet I can do the same thing with this Pokemon Go app. And sure enough, I could. <laughs> ah, okay. The Pokemon they, sh- they, they shut all that stuff down pretty 
pretty quickly. Yeah. Right. It was really more for entertainment value back then. I would <laughs> cut up with the kids, but yeah. Well, R- Rusty, um, like I said, this is just fascinating stuff to me. Uh, I know Steph and I do a little bit of, well, we do a lot of web work and we do some responsive right. web work, but we've never really gotten into the app design stuff. So, like I said, this is fascinating and we could go on and on and on. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and we'd absolutely. love to have you back sometime uh, to discuss uh, some of this uh, at more length. But, you know, we appreciate having you on today. It was good to talk to you. Uh, and like I said, thanks for uh, thanks for being here and, uh, and, and being on our show. Thanks, guys. It was, yeah. it was good to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Appreciate your time, Russ. That's Rusty uh, with Mercury Intermediate. Seven and a half minute interview. All right, that was Rusty Mitchell. Uh, like I said, I've known Rusty for a very long time, been good friends with him and designer buddies, and we even roomed together in college for a year. Um, he's, a, he's a great interview and does some great stuff. Yeah, he sounds like it, and you know, he has quite a body of work, and I was just really impressed, you know, with his, his whole portfolio of clients. Just, wow. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's an impressive list of clients and some that I didn't even know about. So it's it's great to see that, uh, you know, someone, your hometown friend is, is doing some great work with some great companies. Yeah, that's incredible. So uh, let's do a little Steph's List. Okay, let's do it. Steph's List. All right. Uh, Steph's List is uh, on the Web Designer Depot uh, for this week, and uh, it's written by Mark Schenker. And he talks about the three web design errors that just won't die. And he talks about, you know, web design's come a long way since the 1990s. And, you know, if I don't know if you remember Steve Geocities. Oh, Were absolutely. you a Geocities guy? Oh, about some Geocities, gifts. man. Make our own websites, do all that crazy stuff. And, you know, he's talking about the evolution from our Geocities days back in the 90s and how, you know, through all of this evolution, you know, it's become much more powerful. But, for some reason, we're staying with some of our design errors. You know, they just don't seem to die. And the number one thing is a lack of clarity. And I don't know. I've, I've seen some sites I've gone to, and I just, I don't even know where to start, you know, let alone know what their message is. Absolutely. But uh, he says, the study identified these mistakes surrounding a lack of clarity, unexpected locations for content, competing links and categories, and hidden fees and prices on the uh e-commerce websites so you know confusion can get one of your uh, viewers gone in a millisecond so you know that we've really got to have a, a strong uh, cl- uh, clear message on our websites you know and be kind to the reader That's the just second so thing ironic. is uh, <laughs> yeah I know be kind to the reader actually you know back in the days when we were doing publication design same thing be kind to the reader so it, it, it transfers even into the digital world. Uh, second point, UX problems. He says, how easy your site visitors find that it's actually use your site uh, is integral to whether or not your site has good UX or not. And UX user experience, uh, he says, the study found that UX related design mistakes just won't go away. Islands of information. He's talking about, you know, these little pockets here and there of information uh, of Find uh, find it hard to, to even you know get to that information. Link repetition, stranding users on microsites, and I tell you what, I can't stand that. You know when it takes me to another area that I didn't even want to go to, and then oh, yeah. not give me a way out. Inadequate search results. You know you type in a word and it comes back with uh, things that aren't even related to the thing you were searching for. 
and uh, flawed filters and facets. So, you know, he is addressing UX problems. Uh, these things are going to be around for a while, I think, because it evolves. We solve two or three problems, one or two more crop up. Uh, the final one is information architecture foul-ups. Uh, these are talking about overwhelming users with excessive information and presenting users with hidden links. Hmm. And I'll tell you what, one of the things I hate, and I actually went to a site, I, I, I got some stuff in my garage I want to get out, big pieces of furniture. I went to one of these places like, uh, you know, Got Junk or whatever. And I wanted to find out what it was going to cost to haul my stuff away. Could not get to the pricing. The most Could basic not get info, to, yeah. Yeah, they want me to go through a whole litany of things before they'll even offer that information to me. They lost me. I, I you know, mm. just didn't want to go. That's interesting. So he asked the question, will it get better soon? Uh, he says, part of the problem is that many designers just aren't usability experts. And I'll tell you what, I'm one of them. I've been designing for the web for many years, but I really just never became a usability expert. Sure. So, but that's no excuse. When you're designing, you have to be obsessed with providing your users with a superb user experience. Otherwise, your site's usability, conversions, one-page time, and sales simply drop, and no client will tolerate that. And don't we know that? Absolutely. So we need to focus on these three web design errors. It just won't die. Check it out. It's on Web Designer Depot, and it was written by – where is his name again? I just lost it. Uh, there it is. Mark Schenker. Wow. Oh. It's a copywriter. He actually has a website, markschenkercopywriter.com. All right. That's good. Right. Another good list, Steph, and you know, I think that works uh, real well with some of the things that Rusty was just talking to us about, about how he fights um, fights with clients about um, the navigation and, and UX of, of the apps that he's working on and how he tries to have to constantly talk them into simplifying navigation and user experience. Uh, and I think we we get a lot of that in websites, and I, I deal with uh, I deal with that a lot in designing websites as well. Is having the function there, regardless of the form. And I know a lot of time as designers, we want to have that form, but if the function is not there, that the website you know fails miserably. It it needs to be uh, usable, and it has to provide an experience that the user can get the information they need quickly and easily. Like you said, you couldn't find a simple price for a um, a service you were looking for, uh, you know, if our websites and our apps don't don't offer that simplicity for them to get the information they need, then then they they ultimately are failures. Right, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, most people when they go to websites or mobile apps or whatever, they generally scan quickly, right, to try to find what they're looking for. And if they don't find that within a certain window of time, boom, they're gone. So you really need to focus on capturing them, give them the information they want as fast as possible, make sure it's clear, clearly understood what it is you're, you're providing, a service you're providing, or the product you're selling, and uh, get it to them quick. Because I'll tell you what, nobody wants to dig for that information these days. Well, Steph, uh, I think we had a great episode three, as usual. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we probably went over 15 minutes again, but, yeah. you know, I'm embracing the challenge, that's, man. I'm embracing that challenge. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. As usual, we are over 15 minutes. We're not over as much as episode two today, but uh, we are over 15 minutes. We're gonna We're getting better, uh, and as usual, we are going to try better next time. We'll see all y'all next time. 
All right, take care. 15 minutes. Hey, thanks for listening to the 15 Minutes Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud.